Hello, and welcome to Journey Church. Let's take out our Bibles and listen in. Hey, good morning, Journey Church. I'm glad you can be with us today as we are in our separate places and separate homes uh, gathered together. Uh, I am reminded constantly that it is God who can connect to all of us and that we aren't just a part of Journey Church. We really are part of this universal church of people following Jesus, worshiping Jesus, treasuring Jesus more than ever. So uh, I have one announcement before we get started here, and that is that we have journey groups coming up. Um, We are resuming where we were at. Many groups kind of paused or at least shifted during the summer. Well, we want to get back on the train. I think we need community now more than ever that we have a, we're entering a season, I believe that the next two months might be some of the most divisive, most (laughs) triggering, most anger producing or whatever, like isolating seasons we've had in a very long time. Uh, We need each other. We need to have places to remind ourselves of what is good, what is noble, what is excellent, what does God say that really is true. And so these groups, I think, are going to take on a whole new level of vitality. Now, some groups, it's going to be different. Some groups are going to be meeting on Zoom. Some groups are going to be meeting in person in backyards. Um, we're going to be following a necessary protocol, but we are going to see what we can do. Um, and different groups are going to take on different molds um, from the Barron's group to the Turner's group to my group. Um, so if you are interested in a group, and I would actually argue everyone needs to be a part of some community now more than ever. Um, if, if you need one, email, reach out, or comment in Facebook, or if you're on YouTube, you can shoot out an email, a text, whatever it takes. Um, We want to get everyone plugged into a smaller community where you can really be known and we can really care for each other and spur each other on in all the right ways at this time. Well, let me pray, and then I'm going to get started with um, kind of the word this morning. So, Jesus, I thank you so much. God, that right now as we speak, you are on high and you are on a throne. God, that in a world that is being torn in two, God, that we are seeing um, hate and division and just pain everywhere, God, and we remind ourselves, Lord, that this is not something that catches you off guard, that you remain sovereign, that right now, Lord, you hold all things together. You are sustaining planets. So God, with that result or with that reality, we can have hope. We know you win. We know that the kingdom of God is undefeated. And so God, we would pray that you would ask, I'm sorry, we would ask and pray that right now you would just calm our hearts or try our anxious minds and that you would speak through your words or through your word. Give me something where I think this is a message from you, Lord, but give me the words even in this time. God, that would encourage, that would um, cause us to to treasure you more than anything else. Amen. Well, I shared a little bit last week, but me and Courtney and the kids, we had an incredible road trip. Uh, We had about an eight-day, seven-night vacation, and it was simply incredible. Going up the coast and doing things, and for me, my personality, for those of you who know me, I love to do things I've never done before. I always want to try the next new thing. So if you ever want to ask me where we want to eat, I usually want to try a new restaurant. I want to try, or if I go somewhere, I want to order something I've never gotten before. But as we are going to these different cities, we're encountering different rules. Like 
There's different COVID restrictions. There's different kind of monitors in place where some places, like we actually got to swim in some swimming pools because they were wide open at the hotels because for that county, it was fine. Then we go to some places and there's signs everywhere, traffic cones, everything. of like, you'll actually be fined if you're seen without a mask anywhere. Even if you're distance, it's, it's an automatic fine. And like, it was just crazy, these different places. But what was so life-giving and exciting to me was that me and Courtney, we, we planned out the hotels in advance. And so we knew, okay, we know we're going to kind of end up at this night, but we would, we'd be in our hotel room on the Wi-Fi, looking up, okay, if we start in Monterey, we end in Santa Cruz, what do we want to do that day? And we start looking up things and, oh, we're going to get Big Sur. What are the places we have to hit up? And so we get to just have this freedom and excitement, this, the unknown. Sometimes the unknown gives us anxiety, but it also, in this case, like, it's freeing. It's, ex it's, it's, it's exhilarating. That, wow, I don't know what I'm going to see tomorrow, but I know it's going to be incredible. Which things, we can't get them all in. What, what do we want to get in? And I share that story because I think it's a picture of what we're going to read in the book of Acts today. So I'm going to catch us up. Um, I know we're taking things a little out of order, but if we go all the way back to Paul, if you remember... Paul had just gone on this missionary journey with Barnabas. They went all these places. They saw the Spirit of God come down on the Gentiles. Then there's this huge contentious council of like, well, do they have to become Jews with all the cultural trappings, with the circumcision, all the things? And then the council came to this huge, amazing conclusion of like, let's not make it hard for them. Let's not add to them the law. The, the Spirit of God's doing something here. We're not going to impose restrictions that God doesn't have. And so... Paul and Barnabas, they're back in Antioch, and that's where chapter 16 kind of picks them up. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase a few things here. And that suddenly Paul and Barnabas, they just look at each other and like, you know, let's road trip, right? And so let's, just, let's go back where we just were. And so Paul and Barnabas are like, yeah, let's go on this trip. But then they disagree. Who should we bring? Barnabas wants to bring John Mark, who had completely abandoned them. We know him as the guy who wrote the book of Mark. But Paul's like, no, 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 man. He, we gave him a chance. He's done. Paul wants to bring Silas, but Barnabas and Paul, they would say, you know what? Let's not stop here. Let's just, two road trips. Let's just go. And so Barnabas heads off to Cyprus, his former, his hometown. Paul goes to Syria, which is Tarsus, his hometown. Um, then Paul goes on and he meets Timothy. We know him from the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy. He's a guy who Paul pours his life into. Well, he encounters him. And even though he just had this huge debate about should converts have to be circumcised, and the big resounding answer is no, he tells Timothy, you know what? Actually, for the ministry we're doing, I think it's wise. You should get circumcised anyways. You know, he just fought against this for months. And so he just didn't want it to become an issue. He's like, we're going on a mission and anything that would stop that. I think we should do it. It sounds smart. Let's pick it up in verse 6 of Acts 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, which is kind of like make this big right turn, but the Spirit did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, which there, there might be a, a map right now, if you can see. Jared might be imposing a map here. And a vision appeared to Paul at night. A man of Macedonia was standing there. That's northern Greece. Urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding, right, I guess so, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
And so that's exactly what's happening. And so once again, Jared's putting this map here right now. You can kind of see that they don't really have a plan. They're just excited for a road trip. That here they are, they're going up through this different region and they're like, we're going here and they're like, oh, this, we wanna turn right. The spirit doesn't allow us to turn right. So I guess we turn left. Then we go down here and then all of a sudden one night we have a vision and God says, well, why don't you come on down here? And so this doesn't strike me as something that's very well planned out. They're just going for it. And then we see that as they continue to preach the gospel, they go down to the city of Philippi and they meet this woman named Lydia. She's gonna be huge in the book of Acts. And in the book of Philippi, we know it as the book of Philippians from the church in Philippi, there's an incredible story. We're gonna paraphrase quite a bit of it here, but there's a girl who has a demon and Paul casts out the demon. People can't stand it because that girl who was demonized was actually kind of their moneymaker. So that you have a human trafficking incident here going on. And so they don't like that. So they have Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in jail. Now we're going to read verse 25 and we're going to pick up the story of Paul and Silas in jail. It says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. This is the epitome of what the book of Philippians talks about, of finding joy in difficult circumstances. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was this great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors are opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Haven't we read this before? Remember Peter when all of a sudden he wakes up and the chains are off and he walks out of the jail and the angel says, come on out. Remember earlier Peter also walked out like prison escapes are happening left and right. This feels like an obvious answer. Like this is just what happens. You go to jail for the gospel and then God breaks you out at night. But verse 27, when the jailer woke and he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he's about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and with trembling and fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what do I need to do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And then you see this growing church that happens in Philippi. See, this week, I want us to kind of pull back and survey what's going on here in this second missionary journey. Um, Jason last week talked about Ephesus, which comes right after what I just read here. Um, not Ephesus, but um, Mars Hill. But I think we have a problem in the church. At least we did have a problem. I don't know if it's a problem anymore. But a lot of churches, we can present a very boring faith of show up, give money, help out, serve somewhere in the walls of the church, and then just be nice. And not surprisingly, when you take polls and you look at men's involvement in church, most men are saying, yeah, that sounds terrible. I don't, I, I, that, that's a boring faith. And so... Men love to pour their, their energy into business or, or we're going to go into sports and competition or something that's like exciting, something that's challenging. And we have verses that would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I think sometimes it would be helpful for us to kind of retell that verse a little bit of 
Love the Lord your God with all your strategy, with all your skill, with all your sweat, with all your grit, the endurance, with your wisdom, with your influence, with your power, with your cash, with your, all of it. Love the Lord your God with all your compassion. I think there is this desire that we want to do something that is worth doing. Something that's going to dig down and scoop something out from inside of us that we didn't even know was there. That I can pour everything of me, my best foot, I can pour into the kingdom of God. Now, God uses our weakness plenty too. In fact, he loves to use our weakness. But there's something compelling about what's happening here in the book of Acts that I see, I think we, more often than not, the way we've done church has left on the side. And so this is not just a description of what they did then. I think this is something that we can learn for right now, that we live in this unprecedented time. We live in this age of uncertainty, of unknown. In one sense, the church is now on this huge road trip wondering, well, Jesus, we know you win. We know we have a mission. Well, what are we supposed to do? And so I'm just gonna pull a few big ideas from this section of just them making these decisions and going back and forth. The first thing I want you to see is that they don't have a formula to follow. See, contrast the two different prison escapes. Now I preached, I think it was Acts 12, where you see Peter in prison, the jails are open, like they're praying for it and they're shocked it even happens. Well, so when the prison opens up, you walk out. Well, this time the prison opens up and they choose to stay. Now both are for God's glory and so, well, what is it? What are we supposed to do here, right? Jesus, when you do X, aren't I supposed to do Y? And so one thing, just a side note here, what's scary is this is how we can use scripture to justify anything we want it to if we don't study it properly, if we're not careful. Um, we can just pull an excerpt out and say, hey, look, there we go. Um, it's biblical now, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's what the Bible is trying to communicate. But what you see here is in the book of Acts, they're not following a formula, right? I think for us, we want, I'll speak for myself. I would love, God, just tell me what to do, right? God, just, what am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do here? Where am I supposed to live? Where am I supposed to teach? Right now, like for teachers going through Zoom, you love this, another online connection point, right? How do you teach through Zoom? No one knows. We're gonna figure things out. How do you parent when your kids on like, you're talking four to five hours of screen time a day as a minimum. How do you parent that, right? How do we find fellowship in a time where you are supposed to stay apart? Are we supposed to rise up against the government? Are we supposed to you know, go down and submit to the government? Like all these things, we don't have this formula to follow. And neither did they. And I want you to see this, that there's not a formula when it comes to following God here. It's not a formula when it comes to the mission God has given us. We're gonna to have to stay in step with the spirit. The second thing you see here is that they are empowered, they aren't controlled. Now, there's kind of two different agencies here that are empowering them. The first one we see, this is the more important one, is that God empowers them. See, God's not giving them a ton of instruction here. He, he does prevent them from turning right. If you're looking at that map, like they wanted to go back in and they, actually God said, nope, go this way. And then eventually a, a vision comes and says, hey, this, Greek, you know, this Macedonian man says, hey, come preach the gospel to us. So God does communicate. When he does have something to say, he will speak. 
But this journey, they seem to say, you know what? We're just going, we're just going. I wanna go to this town. I'm gonna go here. And then God's like, oh, 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 not there. Just go that way. But they're they're empowered. They're, they're, they, it almost seems, if you look at this map, right? I'm gonna hold this map. This is not the map. I'm gonna hold it up way up here. Here we go. This is not the map of a person who has a well thought through plan. Well, they, they, they kind of made a circle. That looks cool. But they're not thinking these through. They're just going and they're going and they're going and they're going. And so they know that they have the standing orders that they are supposed to obey. See, God, way back in Acts chapter nine, when we saw um, Paul first converted, God has this amazing prophetic word spoken over Paul. He's, he tells it to Ananias and he says, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. So Paul knows God has a mission for him, a specific calling, but where it is, how it is, where uh, that's just God saying, I'm empowering you, go for it. If I have something to say, I'll let you know, but I'm not gonna control you. I'm not gonna micromanage you. I think some of us need to hear that. But it's not just God, it's actually the church, that this giant, you know, big C church, it empowers them. In the book of Acts, chapter 15, that whole Jerusalem council was this big moment and their conclusion was, you know what? Go for it. You know what? Just make sure you can fight to maintain the unity that God has already created. So we recommend you not do these things. But they're saying, you know what? We're not gonna control you. We're not gonna tell you what you can and can't preach. We're actually gonna say, you're preaching the gospel. We stand behind you. You have our authority. You have our power. It empowers them. And it's crazy because they, they fought against circumcision and then Paul being fully empowered to not have to circumcise anyone, he tells Timothy, hey, you know what? We don't have to, but I think it'd be wise if you do in this case. We don't want this to become an issue so we can keep preaching the gospel. And so there's this huge empowerment of the church as well as God. And this goes so contrary to what is natural. See, when we are under authority, we want power. But when we are the ones in authority, we tend to want to hold on to it. We love to control things. This is good parenting, though. See, my job as Naomi and Walter's parent is not to control them, to keep them compliant and to make them obedient. My job is I want to keep giving them increased responsibility. Why? Because... By the time they're 17, not 18, but 17, they need to learn how to run a life as an adult. And that's going to happen by a lot of, well, you make the decision. What do you think? Oh, that's, I think that's actually bad, but you know, I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going to let you learn some of it on this one. And so we need to learn how to empower people. This is also good Godding. <laughs> God empowers us. I think a lot of times we ask God for that formula. We keep asking God, tell me what to do, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And that's not a bad thing to ask God. But I think sometimes God's silence is because he's actually saying, I really want you to choose. And if I say anything, you're not gonna learn how to use your strategy, how to use your mind, how to use your influence. And so if he just says, God, just tell me. Sometimes his response is, no, I'm not gonna tell you but I'm with you and I empower you and I stand behind you. In fact, all authority is on heaven, on earth is given to me. Therefore, go. The third thing here is that 
the disciples, or, or Paul and Silas here, they are predisposed to action. Point three, they are predisposed to action. See, their attitude is that we are going, and then after that, we're going to go, and we're going to go. So, hey, where we, we want, seems good to us. Let's go on another journey. Sure, where should we go? Same place? Done. You want to bring more people? Yeah. Hometowns? Why not? Oh, oh I, uh, I don't know if we're going to partner. Well, then you go and I'll go. It doesn't matter, but we're going to go. We're going. And they don't even let their disagreements stop their actions. I can't help but think that our tendency is, hey, do you want to go on this trip? Yeah. Okay, well, let's sit around and pray for a couple of days. It's become a couple of weeks. Oh, you want to bring so and I want to bring so and so? Well, hold on. Let's, let's wait a bit. Hey, let's, we got to invite more people. And so I guess we should really put it out there and announce it for a few weeks. Like they just go and then they go and their, their tendency is to move. And we're us. I think the way we are now in 2020 is our tendency is to, well, I'll go if God tells me. And then if he tells me to go, I need to know where, I need to know when, I need to know how, I need to make sure I have all the resources up front for the entire bill. I need to make sure I have everything. The, the, the gospel would never move if we wait for those things. And so we need to learn how to predispose ourselves towards action. Right? The, the obvious analogy here is it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. Right? If, you're, if your car is parked, you have to crank the gears and you have all the friction. Whereas if you're going on the freeway, you know, just a, the slight little finger move, and all of a sudden your car is changing lanes. And that for us, we need to realize that there, there's a desire and a needed momentum of, well, I'm going to assume that when God told me to do something, I'm going to do that until he says otherwise. And if he doesn't tell me where, I'm going to pick where. And if he doesn't tell me when, I'm just going to assume it's now. It, it, we need to predispose ourselves towards this action. And so... We kind of bring this all together in this big concept that I think when we ask, what am I supposed to do with my life? We desire blueprints, but God gives us game plans. And so I think we need to recognize that game plans are far greater than blueprints when it comes to the way we are supposed to live our life. Let me compare them. So a game plan it's all about intentions. It's all about goals or strategy. Think about, you know, soccer or basketball or hockey, whatever it is. Like you say, hey, a game plan is I want our point guard to try to attack the ball and we're going to try to out-rebound them this game. And so we're really going to, instead of trying to stay in the perimeter, we're going to crash the boards. We're going to get a bunch of rebounds. That's our intention. We're going to start with this person guarding this person because our intention is this. But when the game happens and all the chaos and craziness you still have that intention, but the reality is it's, it's a little different. and It's just the way it is. Well, when it comes to a blueprint, there's no such thing as intention. There is precision. That when the architect says this span is supposed to be 11 feet and 5 inches, it doesn't mean 11 feet and 7 inches. It means 11 feet and 5 inches. Not 5 and a half, 5. That a blueprint cannot be changed unless you go resubmit it to the county, and then you get the architect, and you have to have a whole new set of blueprints revised and updated, but they're so precise, they're so controlled, you cannot deviate from them. There's certainty. I'm not going to lie. I would love it if my life had a bit of blueprint to it, that I could just know, oh God, I see what you're doing these next five to 15 years. I see what's going on. Okay. I just have to, oh, I got to get a hammer next and I got to like bang some nails for a bit and I'm going to get some wood. Like 
I would love to be able to follow this beautiful blueprint. But God empowers us. We don't have this formula. We get the predisposed towards action. And I think God gives us game plans. He says, here's your mission. Right? And I, I think comparing this to that road trip of mine, of like, this isn't just something where the stakes are a good time, right? If me and Courtney did a bad job planning, all it means is like we wouldn't have as much fun, theoretically. But this is life and death. This is eternity. Souls weigh in the balance on if we are willing to take up the mantle of the gospel. And so just thinking about our church for a brief moment, let's kind of narrow the focus down. Leading a church right now is almost an impossible task. There are a lot of things that want to vie for our attention, but this is my first pandemic. I don't know if it's your first or not. Um, I wasn't around in 1918. Um, but I see the traditional ways of church, right? Think about the stage-driven Sunday morning gathering where most people show up, a few people serve in these different areas, but really you have a speaker or a worship leader or maybe someone who can share, but you have this very stage-driven where a few gifts of a few kind of feed the many, that's gone. Serving inside of a wall, walls of a church, well, right now, you can't, right? We, small groups where we have potlucks and shared meals, it's like, oh, man, how, well, maybe we can find a way to do that. I don't know if we can do the shared meals the way we want to. Like, but all these crowd-driven ministries, they can't happen right now. And I think we get to rethink ourselves as a church for a moment here that we still have the same calling, the same mission of God to go, be in Thousand Oaks, make disciples in Thousand Oaks and the Caneo Valley. And now as a church, we also have people in Nevada, right? We have, we have folks in Kansas City, like we're expanding one way or another, but we still carry this mandate. We must live and breathe. We must show and tell the gospel. And right now, it is hard because the old ways, the old formulas of if you do X, you can attract this kind of a crowd. If you do Y, you can do this. Those formulas are gone. You know, Naomi's school, uh, her principal, Mrs. Kennedy, every email, she has this phrase now, and she, she sends it out, but the, the last line of it is, we can do hard things. Bobcats can do hard things. I think we need to know as a church, I know it's hard, but we can do hard things. We got this. And so we need to hear in our own individual life, the community we are a part of, that we don't have a formula to follow, but we have a mission, right? So don't stop doing the mission. So as a church, as a community, we're going to start falling forward. We're going to start trying some things. I don't mind throwing things against the wall and say, you know what? Let's see what sticks. But we have this mandate that we must go. And we're going to count our obedience to that mission as a success. The second thing I want to say is that we are empowered by God, but also as a church here, I want to empower everyone here. We always do, but I want to state it yet again. Go live the gospel. If you can bring a friend, do it. The family unit as a mission has always been the best, I think, best effective use of the gospel. Well, now we have that. We can't bring someone to church, so we are going to have to bring the church to them. And so some of the rhythms we have, I've already mentioned the journey groups are going to be happening where we're going to find some ways for us to gather in these groups. Sometimes it'll be online, some it'll be in person, and we're going to figure out things. 
But on Sunday mornings, we've already mentioned the second Sunday of every month, we're going to gather at the park. Well, those other Sundays, something I want to empower you is we, we were thinking through all these different things that we can do. And what it, I think what's going to work is we want to empower you to like, don't watch this stream alone. Find a way to connect with someone. If you find someone who is, you know, close to you or, or whatever, who's willing to do the things you're doing, if you want to be in a backyard or, or whatever that is, and watch the stream together so you can have some community. Now, I've had people on my streets who are excited about this, and I'm, I'm trying to find a way to open up my own backyard, which I'm going to be doing, which means I might be watching this as we speak, which is always a fun experience. But watch with someone. Have an element of mission and purpose. If this stream is helpful, then use it. If it's as something else is, then use it. But we need to default ourselves back to action. There's no longer this kind of like big organization church that can do the heavy lifting. We are all individually going to have to live with the mission. See, there's, a, there's different pictures of churches as large boats. See, some churches can become like a cruise ship where you have some paid staff who work to cater to the needs and make everyone nice and comfy and cozy. I think that way of church is dying if it's not already dead. COVID has killed that one. That's for sure. There's no way for us just to have a bunch of needs and just care for it. But another way we can view the church for mission is a battleship, right? Where we have different gifts, different abilities. Some person's a gunner, some person, you know, is the cook, some person's the engineer. You have these people, on, but the, sh the church is this big organization. And as an organization, we take on things together. But I think the best analogy of the church is actually that of an aircraft carrier, that the church, we come together, we refuel, we, we strategize, we make game plans. But when you go and you fly the mission, you're in charge of that airplane. You're living, you have your mission, you have your mandate to your street, to your office, if you're in a building or if you're at home, to the people you love, your neighbors, your friends. That's what we get to carry. And so we don't get to wait for blueprints. Blueprints tend to show up after we've already lived it. We, we want to live forward momentum. We want to take this game plan and join into the adventure. You know, this week, if you want to look this up, it, it's actually a, it was a very sad statistic that um, Barna, a research group, they do a lot of um, faith-based studies. Um, they basically said that they estimate that roughly a third of people who had previously been regular attenders of church, whatever that means, before the pandemic, a third of them aren't connected or having any interaction with any church period. We can't. These streams are only so compelling. These streams are only as good as we are willing to, like, I get it. But what's not ending is I still live on a street and we have to bring church to people. And the last thing I want you to see in this passage, and this is where it gets really exciting, is that we get to join the adventure. I have a fly flying over in my head. Um, look at verse 10 of Acts 16. It says, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, Luke, the author, is a very educated person. And he seemingly just made a huge grammar faux pas. You don't have to be like a copy editor of the New York Times to catch this. But suddenly all these them and they's became a we and an us. See, what everyone believes happened here is Luke, who is investigating all these things, he officially jumps on the boat 
And he says, this is now my adventure too. I'm no longer just reading what they are doing, applauding them. I'm actually jumping in as well. I'm going to put my boots in the ground. I'm going to use my vocal cords. I'm going to use my influence. And so the author joins the journey, the pronouns switch here. And I love this because this is, I think, an amazing call for us to join, I think, the adventure of our lifetime. The cozy, boring, consumer spirituality that we, I think at times we just kind of default into, it's dying. And I think that's actually a good thing. We get to have, I don't think this is the most difficult time in human history. I don't think this is the most difficult time in American history. It's hard. It might be the most difficult time in our lifetimes. I don't know. But imagine Jesus giving you the power, giving you his authority and saying, I am charging and I am sending you into this uncertain time where people are grabbing onto everything, where people want to grab pitchforks, where you literally have cities that are on fire. You have contentious things everywhere where everyone seems to find people that can hate more. I'm sending you to be my representative, to be my ambassador. I'm going to empower you. You get to figure out how you want to do it. Use your strategy. Use your strength. Use your influence. If you need to know something, I'll, I'll course correct you. Don't worry. I'll, I'll communicate. But he, Jesus, imagine these words to you that he spoke to the disciples as he ascended. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's with you. He empowers you. We have a game plan. Use it. Go for it. Let's live this amazing, grand gospel adventure. It's something worthy of our best. Let me pray. Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity. God, and my prayer is not a prayer of grandiose Lord, but that we would look back at our own life of how did we respond to this uncertain time in our life. God, that we would not cling to anything but you. God, that as we are on these streets and our neighborhoods mattered more than ever. God, as we have these friendships and the people who we actually have contact with matter more than ever. The people whom we quarantine with, the people who we allow in that little circle that we, we have some form of interactions with, Lord. I pray that we would use these things for your name. God, that we would not default to passivity, but we would just we'd be willing to go. That we would take that last standing order you gave us, this mission, and we would be willing to run forward and that we'd be willing to dare and to take the risk of doing something that could fail, but doing something that could go right. Of something that could be in a, this new chapter, this new version of the church it is that you've created, the church it is that you are the author and the perfecter of. So God, I pray for everyone in journey right now, that everyone who is either watching this as it's going live, Lord, or watching this later on, and all the different ways that we are gathered, we are sometimes gathered together, sometimes we're watching this by ourselves. God, help us to grab hold of the torch that you've already given us that we would be willing to be your champion. We'd be willing to be your living example 
of the gospel. So God, as much as I need, we need your comfort, we need you to provide for us, God, I pray that you would give us, that you would spur us on, and we would spur each other on to doing things worth doing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you want more information about this teaching or another teaching, visit us online at journeyto.org. Come see us at our Sunday service, 10 a.m. at the Boys and Girls Club of America, Marion and John E. Anderson Youth Center, located at 1980 East Avenida de Las Flores in Thousand Oaks, California.